When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, did you enjoy that little lump of coal that Roger Goodell stuck, snuck down your stocking <laughs> about mid-afternoon on Christmas Day? I mean, what a terrible gift that was. I'm not even going to sugarcoat oh, yeah. it. No, it's, it's you know, back-to-back all-nighters. Oh. You know, for those of us who, you know, not only have to, you know, watch the game and work the game, but then work based on what happened in the game after that. Um, yeah. And um, it's, it's really, it's not a situation where Steelers Ravens is a, is a game where the winner goes to the playoffs and the loser goes home. Right. I mean, there is a very real uh, scenario. If Miami beats new England at one o'clock on S- Sunday, um, we're eliminated. The Steelers are eliminated from the playoffs before kickoff of the eight, 15, 20, 8, 20, whatever time that is, night game on Sunday. So, yeah, never let it be said that um, the NFL makes decisions based on, you know, the in- necessarily the pure integrity of the sport. <laughs> it's more about, um, you know, what NBC wanted to boost their own ratings. Well, let's get right into it. Our first question today comes from Daniel Anorve from Guanajuato, Mexico. A few years ago, you implied that the main issue with Duck Hodges was one that could not be fixed. He did not have an NFL arm. I love the intangibles I have seen so far in Kenny Pickett, starting with his poison leadership, but based solely in terms of arm strength, do you think he has the arm strength to succeed in the NFL? Um, you know, looking back on my Duck Hodges days, um, I think I did more than imply it. Uh, I think I said it outright a couple of times. And here, let me say it once again, uh, Devlin Hodges did not have an NFL caliber arm, and that's why he's not in the league right now. Um, so, okay, that's out of the way. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett, since the subject is arm strength, Kenny Pickett is not in Ben Roethlisberger's class when it comes to that. And, you know, I, I – I just have come to accept that I may never see another quarterback in Ben's arm strength class up close on a daily basis. So, you know, that, that ship has sailed in my mind, you know, just, just, it's, it's not going to happen anymore. You're not going to see it anymore. So uh, that should not be the measuring stick. Now getting to Kenny Pickett's arm strength, um, there's a couple of throws I'm going to point out that he made in the win over Indianapolis and then a couple more throws that he made Christmas Eve in the win over the Raiders that has convinced me he has, you know, enough sufficient arm strength to be successful 
as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Let's start with the Colts. Um, first was a throw to George Pickens. It was a third and nine uh, from the Steelers' 26-yard line, first play of the fourth quarter. Then the uh, the second one in that game was a throw to Pat Fryermuth. Is in the same drive, uh, third and six from the Colts' 20-yard line. The Steelers, you know, ultimately came back and won that game. So, you know, those throws that Pickett made and the and the, the situations that I just described, right. you know, were were integral to that comeback slash victory. Okay, against the Ravens, um, there was a sideline pass that he threw to Deontay Johnson, and from my spot in the press box, I was kind of at an angle uh, and looking sorta down the field at it. And when Pickett let that ball go, I thought this is intercepted because uh, Deontay Johnson ran a, a sideline, uh, like a you know a sideline route. Forget who the defensive back was, but he was right there. And I thought, wow, this is. But the ball got there um, quickly and was perfectly placed. It was a big completion and a first down. Then the last, the last play, of course, to me was the game-winning touchdown pass to George Pickens. Ugh. I mean, that was, that was one of those ones. Was a rope. Right, he saw it, he threw it quickly with pace. It was on target touchdown. He didn't hesitate. He didn't pump. He didn't wait. You know any of that stuff that um, we have, I have criticized him for at times. Criticized Mitch Trubisky for at times. None of that was apparent on that play either. And so. Um, you're doing those kinds of things. You have it. You have the physical uh, tools. And let's not forget the weather conditions. Right. Christmas Eve, you know, minus 10 wind chill, gusty winds. Uh, I was very cold. Uh, so when he was delivering like that, in that, in that situation, that, that climate conditions, and then uh, earlier against the, the Colts, he's got enough arm strength to succeed in this league. I think we still would have been waiting for the ball to get to Pickens' hands in the end zone if Duck was the one that threw the pass at the end of the game. <laughs> or would have just blown it blown <laughs> it out of bounds. Joel Higgins from Vancouver, Washington asks, This year's list of candidates for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award was announced on December 6th. Do you think this is the year Cam Hayward finally wins the award he so justly deserves? Yeah, so justly deserves is, is a good way of putting it because I am uh, – I, I, I'm in the same camp uh, in that respect. Uh, but let, let's just get, start with a little general information, you know, about the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Um, the award every year is voted uh, on by a panel of judges, that, and that panel always includes the current NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, in this case, uh, the previous year's winner, in this case that's Andrew Whitworth, the former, most recently, uh, offensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. He also played for the Bengals. Uh, and there's also a number of former players on the panel. Now, just looking at the history of it, uh, the, the award started in 1970, and then it was just called the NFL Man of the Year Award. Uh, after Walter Payton's death, they changed the name of it you know, to honor him. But since the award uh, has been implemented, Kansas City and the Bears have had more winners of the award than any other team. They have five winners each. Uh, the Steelers and Chargers are next on the list, have four. Uh, the Steelers winners historically, Franco Harris was first in 1976, Joe Green in 1979, Lynn Swan in 1981, 
and then Jerome Bettis in 2001. Um, I believe that Cam Hayward deserves to win it, and I'm going to use some of the words that Mike Tomlin used uh, at a news conference of his on December 6th when he was asked about it. He said, here's the thing for me, just the totality. I know it's an award that acknowledges the work that's done in 2022, but much like his playing career, his work in the community, whether it's Pittsburgh or Atlanta where he's from or Columbus where he went to school or any community where he cares about, this guy contributes in a positive way in the same way that he has a, as a player. The totality of his resume in that area is indisputable. Uh, those are the things um, Tallman said more, but, you know, totality, um, you know, those kinds of things that I think that, you know, there should be some sort of recognition for someone who brings it year in and year out uh, in the category. He's been a great player now for several years. Um, the things that he does in this community um, are unsurpassed, in my opinion. Uh, it's, time to, it's, time, it's time to vote for Cam. Give him the award that I believe he deserves. Gene Moormill from Mahopic, New York. I've noticed this year that there are times when one of the officials is standing behind the center and in front of the quarterback, preventing the play from beginning. The ball has already been spotted. This seems to slow down hurry-up offenses and fast-paced play calling. Any idea why this happens? Yeah, this is um, the uh, league's response to uh, substitution rules. Um, you know, once uh, the, the ball has been spotted and the play clock begins, there are times when one team or the other will, you know, want to change personnel grouping on the field. So let's pretend that the ball spotted uh, and the offense makes a change. Now, by rule, the other team has to be given an opportunity to match those changes. And that's when it's usually the umpire who will uh, stand over the ball or in some other way inhibit uh, the, the other team from snapping it because you're not allowed to do that. If you change, then the other team gets mm -hmm. a chance to change. You're not allowed to you change and then snap the ball before the other team gets a chance to change. So that's what's happening there. The only other, you know, what is different from the situation that I just described is if the offense doesn't change personnel and then the defense wants to change, well then, hey, defense, good luck. <laughs> if you get your people on the field and off the field and everybody aligned and everything before they snap the ball, good for you. If you don't, though, we're not helping you. You see so, a lot of quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers take advantage of that. I think you just saw it on Christmas or, Day against the Dolphins. Right. And that's why, you know, um, Mike McDaniel, or is that his name? The, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins coach. coach. Yeah, I'm, he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, nailed or caught him with the um, timeout. Mike Tomlin did it to him when the Steelers right. played the Packers. He tried to catch the Steelers in that, and Tomlin quickly called a timeout. So, you know, coaches don't want to do that. And so when you're playing quarterbacks like that, um, you have to be aware. Uh, your, your your coordinator has to be aware. Your players on the sideline, they have to know who's supposed to be on the field, who needs to get off the field. All of that stuff has to work, you know, quickly and efficiently or you're going to get caught. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Edward Bontrager from Corbin, Kentucky asks, I remember Craig Ironhead Hayward's playing career more with the Saints than the Falcons, so I was surprised to see how emotional Cam was when Connor scored in their hometown during the December 4th win in Atlanta. Were the Hayward brothers born and raised in Atlanta, as the broadcasters said, or in Louisiana? Okay, Cam Hayward was born in Pittsburgh. Connor Hayward, his younger brother, was born in Duluth, Georgia. Now, both Cam and Connor attended high school in uh, Sewanee, Georgia. The name of the high school was Peach Peach Tree Ridge High School, and that's 33 miles down I-85 from Atlanta. So, um, you know, their hometown. I don't I don't know how you describe that. Is that where you're born? Where you grew up? Uh, you know, I don't know how you distinguish hometown from birthplace. You know, if you went there to high school, is that now your hometown? But anyway, obviously, both of them, uh, both of the brothers spent some considerable time in Georgia, uh, close to Atlanta. And so I think that had a lot to do with the emotion uh, we saw and the situation that um, Edward described. Ken Christie from Knoxville, Tennessee. I saw somewhere that Chuck Knoll was the NFL's last full-time two-way player playing on the offensive line and the defensive line. Is it true? Uh, Chuck Knoll had a seven-year playing career with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he played, he was a messenger guard for Paul Brown. You know, the Paul Brown used to send plays in that way. You know, a guard would come in and a guard would come out, and that's how you'd shuttle the plays in and out. So Chuck Knoll was one of the messenger guards. And then he also played a, played some linebacker um, as well. So he was a two-way player for portions of that seven-year career. Now, Chuck Knoll's career ended, playing career ended after the 1959 season. Now, another guy, uh, his name, Chuck Bednarik, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he played 14 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was a center and linebacker, middle linebacker. Now, during his second-to-last season, in the league, that was 1961, he played both center and middle linebacker. So both Noel and Bednarik were two-way players at times during their respective careers, but it seems as though Bednarik was doing it later in his career uh, because his career lasted longer than Noel's playing careers. So um, I don't think it's true that Chuck Noel was the last two-way player, uh, but he was a two-way player. Joe Schmeling from Carnegie, Pennsylvania. Recently, you were asked a question about Josh Dobbs and whether the Steelers might have any interest in him. You dismissed the idea. I don't understand why. Since both Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph are almost certainly leaving, why not give Dobbs a look? Yeah, you know, I've been over this, but, you know, keep getting the question, so we'll keep going over it. I do not understand where this (laughs) almost certainly leaving mindset is coming from with respect to uh, Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Come on, Labs. Now, everybody knows it. They all know they're gone, basically, <laughs> right now. Quit pretending. Um, it, with the Mason Rudolph <laughs> thing, I get it. 
You know, he can become an unrestricted free agent in March. He's going to be in control of his own status. I cannot, you know, the Steelers aren't going to use a franchise tag on him, which would be the only right. way they would be able to keep him. Um, and so I, I just think that he's going to, Mason Rudolph is going to explore other options. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to mean he's going to look for more money, but I think he wants an opportunity to play or at least uh, compete for a job, a bigger role, something. So with him, yes, he's almost certainly leaving. Trubisky's under contract for next year. Right. Um, the contract does call for him to be paid $8 million. He's going to carry a $10.6 million cap hit. Um, but those numbers are not ridiculous. Um, when you look at, a, at the fact that your starting quarterback is going to be on the second year of his rookie deal. So, you know, you add up your top two quarterbacks and the cap charge is going to be way less than most teams because of the situation you're in. So um, if it's my decision and you're, you're asking me who would I rather have as a backup, Mitch Trubisky or Josh Dobbs, uh, to me it's an easy answer. Give me Trubisky. Yep, couldn't agree more with that evaluation. Our final question today comes from Vince Scotty from Columbia, South Carolina. With two meaningless wins over other bottom feeders, the Saints and Falcons, we have dropped from a very early drafting position in the 2023 draft to where we usually are, the middle of the pack or worse. Am I wrong to wish for them to lose a few more? Um, you know, I, I I would say yes, you are wrong, Vince. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. You know, winning becomes a habit, so does losing. So, you know, I think I just think that teams, coaches, owners of those teams have to be very, very careful about teaching players that there are occasions when it's okay not to try your hardest to win every game on the schedule, uh, either, you know, by tanking or, you know, by subliminal messaging, you know, however that might be uh, communicated. So also since receiving this submission, the Steelers also have defeated Carolina and Indianapolis. And so uh, and, and that I guess you would um, also describe as bottom feeders based on their record. So um, going into Sunday's game in Baltimore, the Steelers are 15th in first-round draft order, which is middle of the pack. Um, now, it's also important to understand that there are teams currently ahead of the Steelers in the draft order, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Carolina. All of those teams could make the playoffs still. And then if they do, they would automatically be moved into slots mm. later in the first round. Right. You know, because the way that's done is all the teams that don't make the playoffs draft before any of the teams that do, regardless of record. But let me just throw this one last little uh, fun fact out. Uh, in 1974, as you might remember, that's the year when the Steelers picked four Hall of Famers with their first five <laughs> draft picks and then added another Hall of Famer in the undrafted rookies that were signed immediately afterwards. Uh, in, in 1974, the league was made up of 26 teams. The Steelers had the 21st overall pick in the draft. So that's where they were drafting pretty much every round, 20th. Uh, I'd so also, yeah. It, it can't happen. You know, you know, you can, you can pick good players <laughs> Um, middle of the round or later. I mean, anybody remember where T.J. Watt was picked? I mean, yeah. I'd also like right. to add, Vince. I mean, I, I know the odds might be very slim right now, 
But they ain't dead yet, all right? Uh, let's not wave the white flag too soon when you don't have to. You win some games, things break your way, you might be playing in a playoff game. Exactly. And as I said, winning becomes a habit just like losing. That'll do it for this week's edition of Ask and Answered. Always appreciate you guys getting your questions in. Send some into labs right now if you want to be heard in a future edition. Steelers-Ravens this week in Baltimore. Steelers need to get a win and some luck to break their way. So go Patriots and go Steelers. Never thought I'd say those two things back-to-back labs, <laughs> but it rings true this week for Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Opperman. We'll be back next week with another edition of Ask and Answered. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.